Welcome to the Psychology of Learning Foreign Languages, the podcast that shows you how to apply psychology and quality management to boost your language skills. Hello and welcome to episode 25 of the Psychology of Foreign Language Learning. My name is Gerhard Orband, psychologist, author and language teacher. Today we'll talk about the next language learning myth, that is, I need to speak perfectly. I hope you haven't missed out on the last episode, which was episode 24, on another language learning myth, that is, I need to learn just one word per thing. Before we start, let's listen to a message from our sponsor, which is me. From last week on, I have now my first language course for English speakers. So it's a German course. No, German is my native language f for beginners. So it's approximately A11 level. What is different in this course, that, um, which sets it apart, I think, from all other language co uh, courses in German, is that is A is for high performance. It's, for per uh, it's not for learning hello and goodbye in German. It's not about memorizing like a parrot 100 phrases. You know, to it's for those people who want to speak almost like a native speaker, uh, who understand that it's most critical in a language like German, how to construct your own sentences from uh, the bottom up uh, and not top down, that is memorizing phrases and just uh, speaking like a, like a robot. So um, please check it out. There is also some free material, so you can have some kind of a preview. Um, head to uh, Gerhard's uh, Gerhard plus S without any sign. Um, then it's uh, I think hyphen school dot thinkific dot com. So Gerhard's uh, with an S hyphen school dot thinkific. No? It's like to think plus I C dot com. Check it out and drop me a note what you think about it. So today we talk about the myth of speaking perfectly. If you remember, we have addressed that topic uh, several times in this podcast. Uh, yeah, we've talked about the problem with perfectionism in episode 12. We've talked about the seven, the, the myths of perfection and quick learning. And in episode 7 and in episode 3 we have talked about are you obsessed with having the perfect accent. Um, why do I repeat this topic? Because I think that's one of the most common obstacles for my language students and almost all language students. So, um, And I consider it it's a self-sabotaging technique. Because uh, if you are a perfectionist, you will will have a guaranteed outcome and the guaranteed outcome is that you realize you're an 
never to be perfect or you are uh, very far away from being perfect and then more students use this as a pretext to drop out yeah. Yeah, because this podcast is about psychology and um, so if these theories uh, sound a little bit obscure and crazy for you well then this is <laughs> the nature of a psychology podcast um, so I want to talk a little bit about other things which I've talked in, in those previous podcasts. Now, in those previous podcasts, I've talked more le- about um, adopting a more realistic outlook uh, uh, to re- repeat some arguments uh, uh, that perfection is even impossible in our own native language. So, uh, if we t- what does perfection mean? Do you know all the words in the English dictionary? Studies show that while a standard vocabulary in any European language consists of between 300 and 500,000 words or entries, a native speaker knows between 2,500 and maybe 250,000. So it depends on your background, on education, on motivation. Now, that means that even a very, very knowledgeable person, a very well-read person, knows about half of the standard vocabulary. We are not speaking here about specific uh, technical terms from medicine, chemistry, biology, uh, or construction, construction and so on. Now, the other aspect is also grammar. So perfection would mean that a, we would know all the grammar roots uh, that are in our native language, uh, which I highly doubt. So, uh, at least for the languages I teach in, uh, um, I've never encountered a student who knows everything. I've never encountered a teacher, myself included. No? So if I take, for example, a standard book on the German grammar, so a reference book, and it's the German Duden, um, the the grammar book it contains maybe 1,400 pages, 1,300 pages. No? So I don't know most of what is in there no? because written quite inaccessibly. And uh, and even if I'm looking up a certain grammar topic, no? I do not find all necessary explanations in there. So there are not answers to all questions in even that thick book. So that means that what does the whole grammar mean of a language? It means potentially tens or hundreds of books uh, specifying all the the, the use of one preposition or the differences between one preposition and another, um, what combinations of words are acceptable or not, word order and so on. Also here, even a linguistics professor, even a specialist in one language, most probably doesn't know all the rules. And this is why language professionals like journalists, authors, and so so on, they work with dictionaries. So why why should they work with reference books and grammar books and dictionaries? Why would they need an editor? Why would a best-selling author need an editor if he is a perfect speaker? So, So even the best authors, uh, bestseller out authors, uh, they obligatory have an editor who re- proofreads uh, the text, not only spelling, but also uh, uh, style and grammar and so on. Uh, so 
why should you be better than a best-selling author? And that is that most best-selling authors write in their own native language. So uh, Stephen King doesn't b write books in Spanish and uh, German and so, so. Paulo Coelho, he doesn't write his books in, in French or so. Okay, so th those were the arguments made in the previous episodes, but now let's let us uh, talk a bit more about psychology. So we, we talked about a lot about uh, self-sabotage and let's um, repeat some of the main tenets here in this theory. So self-sabotage means if you are unsure about the outcome of an endeavor about of an action so you're you're not sure if you will ever be able to speak fluently Chinese Japanese or uh, even German so then you may uh, become afraid uh, that um, your competence your talent is put into question uh, so for example you try something and uh, you don't succeed all people around you notice this and then they may conclude that you are not talented enough uh -huh. so the same situation would be you have to pass an exam at university you do not pass the exam or the driving license and so on and people around you may consider that it's uh, so you are not good enough so as a person or as a, your intelligence now this is very hurtful psychologically for most people so we typically don't want to don't want to be considered dumb and foolish by other people so the typical strategy here is that you find some kind of insurance for future failure so if i work hard uh, i study a lot and go to all classes in a, in a language course and i still fail people most probably will draw the conclusion that I'm at fault. So it's, I'm not intelligent enough. I don't have enough talent for foreign languages. Huh? Whereas if I went only to 50% of all the lessons and um, I didn't study at all at home, if I then fail at the test, uh, then most probably I can defend the position that I'm very talented, but I failed because I hadn't had the possibility to attend all classes. No? A lot of students practice this before exams no? when they're excited or nervous and some exhibit uh, a special carelessness, I say. Oh, I haven't learned anything, I haven't studied yesterday, we went dancing and I had a party and so on. All this they do in public no, to already anticipate a bad result and already have an explanation ready why they failed. No. So this is self-sabotage. So in life there are many different ways of self-sabotage. Uh, maybe uh, drug abuse, alcohol, uh, um, bad ha health habits. No? So I uh, can say that uh, if I had not uh, become an uh, alcoholic, um, I would be the the best guitar player, the best poet uh, worldwide and so on. But uh, the fact that I'm not is not because I'm not gifted enough, but it's because um, I have this problem with alcoholism. Uh, the same in interpersonal relations. No? Some parents 
no? unconsciously use, no? for example, their child's problems. No? Say, okay, yeah, how could I live a more fulfilled life and develop myself um, if I have this problem child at home who doesn't sleep, who does, who makes all kinds of problems at school, no? and now, so it's an excuse no, for not developing yourself. So they use their own children as a shield. Now let's talk about uh, the the myth of perfectionism no, and how this plays into the whole um, plays into the whole game of uh, self sabotage. No? Now, if you take something like learning a foreign language or doing sports or playing a musical instrument. Uh, those are all long-term endeavors. So, if you want to succeed in one of them, uh, you need to have a long-distance run. So, you, it's a marathon, not a sprint. So, it takes years um, to um, to obtain results or not. So, as in the self-sabotaging examples, uh, um, here the outcome of ever speaking fluently a foreign language very uncertain and the problem is that the results uh, will be obtained only some years into the future so whether I will or not be able to speak fluently Chinese uh, will de uh, definitively show up only in three or four years so now um, if I'm very unsure of myself so then for me, this is a very high risk, so like say, studying four years intensely and then having the outcome of, uh, of not speaking fluently and being considered stupid, no, then I've lost four years. No. So setting un, uh, unrealistic expectations at the beginning no, no, is also one mechanism to abort the whole process very quickly. No. So, so this Typical student no, who starts and then after two weeks, uh, when he already makes his first sentences, uh, can make small talk and so on, no, is not saying, wow, so two weeks ago I couldn't say anything in German, now I can converse um, um, converse uh, at least a bit. No? So that's a big uh, progress. No? no, they say, oh, it's, uh, I, I cannot speak fluently. I cannot express everything I can express in my native language and so on. And then after two or three weeks, no, many of them are already ready to quit no, because they, they, are, they didn't obtain no, their goal. So also this is um, one strategy no, to, to self-handicap in, in the sense that they find an excuse, find another excuse for not putting in the necessary effort no, because so if I put two weeks, I've already put in two weeks of effort and there's no result, then what sense does it make to put in more effort during the next weeks or years? Now here a bit, uh, there's a shift in, uh, from those classical self-sabotage experiments. No? Uh, what, what we here do is we find an excuse not in uh, the fact that we didn't practice enough, no? But we try to construe a reality in which what we are about to, to do is so impossible uh, that even if I fail at this, it doesn't, it doesn't affect my ego. So it's the same if, um, 
somebody can somebody wants me to fly and I, there are some religious sects which think you can fly and um, I try it and I fail that this doesn't hurt my ego uh, or um, if I want to become a world-class player piano player and uh, after two weeks I am not uh, ready for a concert it doesn't necessarily affect ne my ego ne necessarily because I found the explanation that is this is much too hard and almost nobody can do this and then my ego is protected huh? so for students who have this attitude for them it's very important in a group huh, to find support among their fellow students and if you have went to uh, language classes or if you're a teacher you observe this huh? people uh, students who adopt this uh, perfectionist attitudes to self-sabotage they say i want to be fair perfect and then it doesn't make sense it's too difficult huh? they always try to find alliances with other students huh? and so the so they can uh, maintain a position that's too difficult for everybody and then they feel good about themselves. Huh? If the other students do not comply and if the other students in the group maintain that no, it's something that you need to put effort in for two or three years, huh? then those persons may shift. So, in conclusion, huh? what can we do as a language learner? Uh, from the last example, you see how important it is uh, to maintain your own position because you may be affected in a language learning environment by other students who try to pull you down, who try to make it impossible to learn the foreign language, so to try to drown you in their negativity uh, so, so that they don't feel bad. Uh, so what do you do to protect yourself against this uh, is uh, you find role models, not your fellow students, maybe your language teacher, but try to find persons, uh, you know, famous actors, uh, writers, uh, who had uh, a lot of difficulties uh, to um, uh, to learn even their own language. Uh, uh, just look up the the English uh, novelist uh, John Conrad, Joseph Conrad, uh, who wrote uh, Lord Jim and I think The Heart of Darkness. I'm not a specialist in literature. And he is, as I understood, a uh, Polish or Ukrainian immigrant, and he uh, learned to write uh, well in English only in his twenties. So, so he for so many years he struggled to write English in English, and he become became maybe one of the best novelists. So, thank you very much for your attention, and we continue next episode with more language learning myth my baby is waiting for me <laughs> so we need to stop here have a nice day bye bye